Your health is our priority. Each series, it's our goal to make sure that we provide you with experts and guests that offer multiple perspectives so that you feel supported, empowered, and less alone. Like the work we do? Buy us a cup of coffee. Or tea. You can leave us a tip over at coffee.com slash the hip podcast, which is ko-fi.com slash the HIP podcast, or with the link in our show notes. When you buy us a cup of coffee, you not only support the work we do, but also gain access to early releases and downloadable resources. Again, that's coffee.com slash the hip podcast. Hello everyone and welcome to Health It's Personal. Today we are so thrilled to share with you another episode in our two-part sexual health series. We can't wait to dive into conversations on reproductive health, intimacy, sexual education, and trauma, but even more so relationships, communication, body language, love, and healing. That's why today we're kicking off this series with an uplifting conversation on connection. Lily Walford is a behavioral profiler and relationship and dating coach who is here today to talk with us about finding love amongst the dating industry that often provides false solutions and results in unhealthy relationships. She instead focuses on tailored solutions to help you trust yourself and ultimately find a positive and genuine connection. She also taught us how to spot a narcissist and how to profile someone in under six minutes. It was such an amazing conversation. And I mean, Honestly, I feel like we were pretty prepared going into it, but we still learned an incredible amount of information (laughs) in under six now. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, she was really awesome and genuine. And you can just tell that she really cares about the work that she's doing. And she shared some amazing results with us, which I'm sure must feel so great. Yeah, absolutely. And on the note of relationships, we have three people here who have been through so much and we have different stages of our relationship journeys, I guess we could say. (laughs) What maybe terrifies you the most or what terrified you the most when you were looking for a relationship, Kate? Mm, That's a good question. You had a small child. (laughs) Yeah. With the most experience here, help us. (laughs) I think that honesty is a big value for me. It's something that I really value in relationships. And so when someone's not being honest with me, it really scares me because I I feel like I can't trust that person. Lily talked a lot about trust and and I could really relate with that. Actually, one of Max's teachers just told me recently, she's super in love and so happy right now and just really excited. And uh, just one of those vibrant people that just deserves like every happiness. And I think she's been through some health things and she's raised some kids on her own. And so she's found this love and is she's just like literally glowing. She has like hearts all around her and her aura. Aww. But she was catfished last year <laughs> and oh, she no. like went through a really traumatic situation. And I think when she told me that, because people feel so embarrassed to admit that, I would think. Mm-hmm. But when she said that out loud, I felt like she was so brave for sharing that and also so brave to look for love again, because I feel like if somebody did that to me, I don't know if I would ever trust another person on the face of the earth. So yeah, thanks for the trauma. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And it's more common than we even like there was the TV show, of course, but it's nothing compared to what's really happening out there. It's yeah. Scary. Yeah. So that's my big I'm genuine, I think, with the people in my life. And I want that in return. Yeah. How about you, McKenna? 
There's definitely an image you have of dating in New York City, and there's definitely a scene. I think you're not as much in the minority as you think if you don't want to be a part of the typical dating scene or use online dating. I think you can feel a little bit alone in that. Yeah. But like Lily even said, the advice of going out to bars and looking for people isn't great advice. Like maybe you need to go somewhere and be around people who are like-minded or join a class or do something where you're surrounded by people who maybe could introduce you to someone who has similar interests because you made a friend who has similar interests. It's a little bit thinking outside the box. I've been in a narcissistic relationship that had a lot of gaslighting for several years. And it's hard to trust yourself after that because I always wondered, can I even trust myself to choose the right person now? Because I loved this person and he was a good person. And now I'm not sure if I can trust myself to even make that decision. But what I've noticed as I've gotten older is that and met more people is that I'm less attracted to those qualities that he had because it's not what I'm looking for anymore. I'm not looking for a narcissist. I'm not looking for a narcissist anymore. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but love bombing is a real thing. And Lily gets into this. And it's really difficult to get past because you think they're acting this way because they love me. And then it kind of goes away and you're left wondering what's going on. And at the end of the day, it's not about you, but it feels really personal. Yeah. And so being able to recognize when something like that is happening or when you're meeting a person who has those tendencies early on, which is something that we're learning from Lily, is a really valuable tool. A lot of people come to the city to be the best and to work really hard and really long days and be really dedicated. And sometimes the people who are the best at a really intense job and are the best leaders aren't the best in relationships. And so you use... Now, this is me going on a tangent, but you use their credentials as validation of them being a good person, but they may not be the right person for you. Yeah, she did mention that really successful people or that narcissists thrive in those types of environments. So mm -hmm. and also you don't want to be in competition with someone in a relationship. That's mm -hmm. great if you're in competition at work and you're driven, whatever, but you don't want to be in competition with your partner. Yeah, maybe if you're exercising. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> or playing a board game. <laughs> Not playing mind games. <laughs> oh, man. Such great points. Yeah, Sean, can you give us some insight into your world of dating? Yeah. <laughs> no, I think it kind of ties into what both of you have said is that that trust and also trusting yourself and identity is one of the biggest common threads of this conversation today because if you don't know who you are or what you truly want, honestly, then that's really scary. And you don't even realize it sometimes because you just think you want this thing, but it's really not. Like you said, I found out like after all of this trauma and reflection and work that you've done, you know, I decided that's really not what I want anymore. I'm really not looking for that. So that's how I can begin to trust myself again, because I know I've grown and that's, it takes forever and it's not all at once either. So you don't yeah. realize it sometimes. <laughs> It's like, oh, I've done so much work. I've grown so much. But in the moment when you're starting to date, you don't realize that. Or And one of the biggest things I was thinking of today on identity and the gay community is that, you know, those first zero to seven years are so crucial to understanding who you are by learning from your environment and developing yourself. And a lot of LGBTQ plus people do not get the proper experience 
in the younger years because they don't, they're not able to be themselves truly. And this can sometimes go on for decades for them. And so now, it, you know, it, I always wondered, why is it so difficult to, <laughs> to date in the community? Why are people jumping from relationship to relationship or like we learned today on the apps, even when they're already in a relationship right now that they're supposedly happy in? <laughs> and so it's like, wow, because they're still sometimes learning who they are and getting swept up in that can be even more you know, scary to try to figure out who you are and then be in this environment where nobody really knows, but everyone's posturing and masking, all that stuff. And then um, all, just all yeah, that, all of the things. But also what we talked about today is, you know, find out what you're truly passionate about. And what could you talk about for hours and hours and hours? And for me, it's Star Trek. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But it also got me thinking of neurodiversity, too, when we talked about, you know, autism, ADHD, lots of different things going on. And you have to find out that part of your identity, too. So it's not just one thing. We don't just have the one thing about us. We have so many complex things going on. And we have to find that balance between them all and then find other people who understand and accept and love that stuff, too. Yeah. And not expect your partner to have the same love language as you or all of the same interests. I've been thinking a lot, too, lately about not using your partner as like this pinnacle person that's your soulmate and your lover and your best friend and the person you want to interior decorate with and have kids with and (laughs) have the same taste in movies and, you know, a million other things and finding people in your life that make you feel whole and can fill those spaces so that then you're not resenting them too when they don't show up for certain things because you have other people in your life who can fill that space. Yeah. I mean, it's great if that does happen, of course, but right. yeah, but I'll never eat chicken wings or like sports and <laughs> Scott and I are so <laughs> meant to be together. <laughs> yeah. So. Amazing. And sometimes you have someone who you can share your pickle with. <laughs> yes, exactly. You want my side pickle? <laughs> <laughs> but I love all of that because it, it even ties into our friendships. We have to find friends who we connect with in those ways too, I think. And like you said, that complement our romantic relationships too. Yeah, I loved hearing everything that she said. I'm obviously in a 20-year relationship, but I (laughs) thought what she said was really eye-opening and valuable. And I feel so happy for people who get to think about that, like you, McKenna, who gets to think about all of that before diving into a relationship with someone else. Absolutely. I feel so grateful and lucky and overjoyed, like my cup runneth over, with the fact that I all three of us are learning so much in these series that we can take for the whole rest of our life. And that's why we're doing this work because not everyone gets this information and we wish we had this information even sooner. So thank you so much for supporting us thus far. We can't wait to continue this journey. Please everyone grab a cup of tea and enjoy. Health is harmony. When you're aligned to everything you believe in is when you feel that harmony and you feel peace. Trying to get to the root cause of things. There is just so much to learn. Can you be present in those moments in your life that mean the most? Because health, it's personal. Welcome, Lily. We have been so excited for this episode. You are a behavioral profiler and relationship and dating coach. The dating landscape has changed over the last few years, and the pandemic has arguably changed the dating world forever. Many of us are love and connection starved right now, so we need you in our lives. 
You started Love with Intelligence with the mission to use psychology and behavioral change to help others find healthy relationships. And we'd love if you would explain to us and our listeners what exactly you do within your practice. Yeah, well, first off, thank you for having me. And um, yeah, we do relationships and dating with a bit of a twist. So back in 2019, we partnered in business with someone called Chase Hughes. And Chase is a world leader in behavioral profiling, body language. He has $30 million worth of government-backed research. Um, basically trained uh, military operatives to a Jason Bourne, James Bond kind of level. <laughs> Very cool. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> For some reason, I thought, oh, that'd be a great, great idea to bring that into dating. <laughs> but, uh, <laughs> Everyone so, just wants to date him. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> so, um, uh, but the main reason why I wanted to do that is because most people feel so disheartened by love because they're unable to make a relationship based on truth and trust. And this is something that's really helped myself and my clients to go ahead and actually build a relationship where they know that they're they're with someone who they can trust and they've got, they're able to basically see the truth so they can make informed decisions of whether to enter the right, that relationship, if it's right for them, and also knowing how to build that relationship with their partner too. That's something that we're all needing, but we don't always know who to turn to to get that advice. Mm -hmm. And so to have something so specific and focused that's accessible to people is so wonderful. What does it look like when you sit down with a client? What do those sessions kind of entail or what are some of the different people who you see come in? Yeah, well, it's quite funny. A lot of the clients who I tend to work with have usually been in like toxic or narcissistic relationships beforehand. So when you've gone through those kind of relationships, it's almost like, you know, you freak out going into the dating pool again, because it's like, okay, this element of trust again, yeah? (laughs) Knowing who to trust, you know, is someone the right one? Because the thing is, with those relationships, no one knowingly goes into a relationship and going, cool, I'd love an abusive relationship or a narcissistic (laughs) relationship, sign me up. (laughs) (laughs) So a lot of my clients tend to come come to me, and there tends to be a lot of, things like healing, because when you've gone through those type of relationships in particular, there's a level of conditioning that happens within like the brain. So most people that come out of a narcissistic relationship, for example, will end up having brain fog. They will end up being questioning their emotions. They'll be struggle to feel their emotions. And even down like making the simplest decisions of like what brand of milk to buy or something ridiculous like that is a five minute decision all of a sudden. Oh. <laughs> it's like it's you don't trust yourself in every area of your life anymore. Yeah. All the gaslighting. Yeah. All those yeah. could be years of it. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. And, you know, when you've gone through that, and some of my clients have gone through that for 20 plus years, and it's like, okay, all of a sudden going into the dating pool again. Oh in a place where you've lost yourself because the other part of it is it's understanding who you are and allowing yourself to become more of who you are and this is something that I really dive deeply into into the point where I've had clients who've been on antidepressants for years suddenly come off it as a result of our program wow so we've had some pretty awesome results there and the reason is, is because we don't get people to hide behind scripts and say these 10 things to make them fall in love with you and all this ridiculous rubbish. We actually give people the permission to become more of who they are 
so they know who's compatible with them. So another thing that we do is we take someone through something called a compatibility matrix that we've researched. And from there, we build a dating strategy with someone. So it's like, okay, cool. Well, you're an individual person. You want to meet someone like this. Well, your journey is going to be very different to everyone else's. And I think the old dating advice of go and hang out in bars and this, that, and the <laughs> other is number one, bloody awful. <laughs> number yep. two, potentially dangerous. <laughs> right? yes. Oh my gosh. Where else would you meet a narcissist? Yeah. Right? <laughs> yeah. Oh They're everywhere. <laughs> yeah. Oh, I love that. And, you know, we have that old saying of opposites attract, but, you know, <laughs> we need to dig so much deeper into things than that. Yeah, I love that. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, that's what I was thinking, Lily. I don't think we get any sort of training about thinking about who's compatible for us. You know, we get the sex talk, but let's yeah. talk about <laughs> who, who's compatible for yeah. us what things we should be looking for, how to trust someone, all of those things first. And we never get that. So I can see why someone who has been through trauma would come to you and say, hold on, I need to start over. Let me reprogram my brain and really understand how and why and all of those things. So, wow. Yeah. And the funny thing is like a lot of, because a lot of people go into those relationships and they don't understand why they've been in those relationships. And yes, there's a level of conditioning, but there's also something deeper than that, and it goes into childhood. So when we're obviously between the ages of zero and seven, we create our identities and we create the role of our identity as well. So um, <laughs> if we grow up and we're like, okay, I'm the people-pleaser child. I'll do the dishes. I'll make a cup of tea. I'll do this. <laughs> you know, well, the funny thing is when you grow up and you go into like, you know, your career or a relationship, guess what you do? You know, oh, it's okay. I'll, I'll meet that deadline. I'll, um, you know, I'll be the best partner ever in the world. And, <laughs> <laughs> and we play that identity out. And it depends on what sort of happened and, and the way that you received love as a child will actually in, influence the way that you behave within the within the world. And sometimes we have to sort of dig a little bit deeper to almost heal or have a look at patterns. Because the funny thing is. It doesn't matter how good a parent you are. There's always going to be things that come up. You know, our parents do the best things that they possibly can, but there's always going to be things that are going to come up. So we dive into that area because this is the deepest layer that you can go when it comes to creating the right identity or healing your identity to be able to be in that place where you can enjoy that fantastic relationship. Wow. Does that kind of tie into our love language too, depending on who we are? Yeah, for sure. I mean, sometimes when you think back to the way that you received, you know, love as a child, it will tie into the ways that you showed love as well as a, you know, as a child and things like that and how you want to receive love as an adult. And it's so funny because, you know, I see in a lot of couples, there's this mismatch of, of love languages. So for me, I love uh, words of affirmation and physical touch. That's my love language. Um, uh, mainly because as a child, I love to be praised. I love cuddles and all these amazing things. And the funny thing is, in my relationship now, my partner, his uh, love language is acts of service. Okay. So it's like, okay, cool. I'll just randomly get cups of tea all the time. It's great. <laughs> <laughs> but he thinks, oh, well, that's my way of giving love. I'm like, no, just tell me how amazing I am. <laughs> so sometimes there's this. I don't need this tea. I just no. need a compliment. What are you doing? Yeah, right. <laughs> Keep the tea. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like, you know, you know, when you have, um, I don't know if you've ever gone through this in a relationship, 
But I remember by the very start of ours, it was almost like this insecurity. It's like, oh, well, don't, don't you love me? It's like, mm. yeah, I've given you a cup of tea, haven't I? So it was like all of a sudden, mm. like, ah, okay, this is, there's a communication mismatch. And you see it so much in relationships, especially in the beginning stages. Yeah. So it's mm. very cool to start to unpick. I like that too, because it reminds us that we don't have to be automatically the exact same love language. We can learn to work with one another and communicate those <laughs> those needs. And Yeah, exactly. And it's finding fun ways to be able to meet that as well. I mean, a lot of people tend to feel like, especially when you have like triggers and traumas in relationships, there tends to be this snap and uh, and criticism in order to get your partner back in line. (laughs) (laughs) And and that tends to be like the automated result. But the funny thing is, there's ways of being able to resolve that conflict in a way that, that can build that relationship up and allow it to be stronger. And that's something that we also teach our clients to go ahead and do as well, because not everyone knows how to do that. You know, everyone wants to be able to get there. Yeah, (laughs) (laughs) right? Well, the funny thing is, is when you look at relationships as a whole as well, you know, even if you think about your social circles, how many people have got a relationship where you're like, yeah, do you know what? I'd love a relationship like that. Mm. Not very many. (laughs) Right. And it kind of ties into this thing of conditional and unconditional love. You know, we've always been taught we can only get love if we're good, if we behave. Mm -hmm. And if we don't get love, we must have done something wrong. So it becomes this like punishing or criticism or positive reinforcement kind of thing that happens in relationships when actually a true relationship is where we should be loved for who we are at that identity level versus what we can be or um, or what we can do or what we can wear or what we can cook or what sort of teas we can make or all these different things. That's the added bonus. (laughs) But so many people stay at that superficial level. Wow. Yeah, you have an overcoming relationships and trauma workshop. And so you help people at the basic, fundamental, like coming in. Why do you think this step is vital? Oh gosh, yeah, it is completely vital because the thing is about trauma, there is so much shame, so much fear. And the first thing that breaks down communication, you know, communication and connection is fear. It is shame. And also it is trauma because we basically isolate. If we feel like we're not good enough or we're not um, whole or we feel broken or whatever it might be. We're suddenly not in a place where we feel worthy enough to give or receive love. Mm. And that can have a huge impact. And also being in a place to be able to trust. So what we tend to find is with trauma specifically, trauma breaks the trust within ourselves. And uh, what we need to do is to be able to rebuild the trust within yourself to say, okay, I can handle anything. And that's so important in the healing process to be able to trust yourself again build the connection with yourself because you can only connect to someone as deeply as you are connected to yourself. Yeah, maybe that's the fundamental work that we all need to do in order to not treat love in the way you were describing earlier. Yeah. Interesting. Wow. (laughs) Yeah, and it goes pretty deep. (laughs) Yeah. And that trust aspect is so interesting because I hear this comment a lot too from people who are dating right now, which is, I was in a traumatic relationship, a relationship with a narcissist or where there's a lot of gaslighting and 
do I trust myself to choose the right person again? Because I so easily fell in love with someone who ended up really doing some damage. Do I even know how to choose the right person for me? And so if you can sit down and remind yourself that you can trust yourself to make those decisions and also learn about yourself, what you're needing and what's compatible with you so that you can make a good decision for yourself. Those are two really important things. Yeah, because the funny thing is with, I think that the most frustrating thing for people who've gone through narcissistic relationships, myself included, is that you've shown up in a way that you've been a healthy partner to be with. And what tends to happen is we can end up taking responsibility for that relationship. Or there's a lot of anger or frustration itself. Like, why did I stay in that relationship for so long? Why didn't I get out? Well, you know, why did that relationship end? Why wasn't I good enough? Because there's this trauma bond that happens. And this is down to the chemicals that get released in the brain during things like love bombing. And that's more addictive than a class A substance. So when we get all the amazing compliments and all those great things where we feel love, our um, you know, dopamine, serotonin literally just spike. And all of a sudden there's this withdrawal. And what this does is it creates this addiction to that person. Only that person is able to give you the validation or the love or whatever it might be that you need. But what most people don't understand around a true narcissist is the empathy part of the brain is actually underdeveloped. Okay, and that's been scientifically proven. And when that happens, it's not like being in a relationship and interacting with a person. A narcissist will see you as a resource. So it's like, okay, well, here, here's a pen. Right, how do I use it? Here's a phone. How do I use it for my benefit? Here's a, a calculator. I've got a calculator around me next time. <laughs> here's a calculator. <laughs> it's not adding up. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but this is exactly how they view people. It's not about how do I connect with that person. It's how do I use this person to my benefit? So with those kind of con- that level of conditioning, you know, when they start to start to condition someone in order to get them to act within the lines or within the realms of what they want that person to be. That's very interesting. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I have like six people. In my- yeah, <laughs> so many. For those who might not know, though, would you mind giving a brief summary of what love bombing looks like? Yeah, so basically it's anything when someone will overly give you love or compliments or anything like that. So it can be excessive gifts. It can be, oh, wow, I feel like I've known you forever. I love you so much. You're so amazing. You make me feel so good. And it's all these juicy compliments that make us feel so freaking good. Okay. Yes. <laughs> Yeah, you, know, you know the ones. It's always like, oh, go on, you know, go on, tell, tell me a little bit more. I'm, not, I'm pretending not to take it in. <laughs> I'm pretending to play it cool, but it does feel freaking good. <laughs> and this is the other thing, though. Like, so many people feel like when they go into a narcissistic relationship, it's because they're not intelligent enough. Intelligence has got nothing about, you know, nothing to do with it at all. It's purely empathy. If you have empathy, you can be manipulated. Okay, and that's really important to really understand. And most people don't. And, um, uh, you know, when you think about every decision that you make, even down to brushing your teeth in the morning, there's an emotion charged behind that. 
there's a good one of how good you feel for completing a task and having fresh breath. Mm-hmm. There's a bad one where it's like, okay, well, I don't want to go to the dentist or I don't want to be uh, my friends going, oh, that's horrible. <laughs> <laughs> that's the way that we're conditioned. So when we've got someone in our lives, you know, a narcissist pulling the strings like that of, oh, only a stupid person would think that. Or, um, you know, oh, if you really loved me, you would do that for me. It's emotions. It's the way that we feel. And that's the way that that conditioning happens. When you are receiving excessive compliments and gifts and things, like you said, you feel like, oh, they must really love me yes, because they're really going out of their way to do this thing. And then they can just take it away or, you know, whatever. You're looking for the other red flags, not those types. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Do you feel like with narcissists too, that they sometimes they don't even know that they're doing it? It's an automatic response. So it's basically they have learned So bear in mind, they don't tend to feel like the emotions like people do. They will almost observe people. Okay. Like I said, it's very much like working it out. So it's not to say that they're good or bad. (laughs) They just have a negative impact on, you know, an empath basically, but they tend to be great in things like roles of leadership. They tend to be fantastic in in leadership roles. Um, They tend to make, um, I think it's like psychopathic narcissists tend to make great surgeons because they don't have the empathy when they're working Mm. on people. Hmm. Soldiers, you know, it's it's people in positions of power that are able to have this massive influence. It just doesn't work very well within relationships. And sometimes it doesn't work very well in in those situations too, if if um, if they're taking it in the wrong direction. But um, uh, but they do, there are positives and negatives to that kind of um, profile of person. Not yeah. naming any names, but yeah, yeah. So, we just list them all out. Yeah. <laughs> and asking for a friend. So you're a psychological profiler, and you say that a regular person can actually profile someone in six minutes. Is that true? Yeah, that's true. Wow. Yeah, that's exactly what we train people to go ahead and do. Mm-hmm. And it's important because certain profiles don't work together compatibility-wise. And also, the, the other thing is what it helps us to do is it helps us to get to know that person more. So it's not about you know learning and, and finding this person's deepest, darkest secrets to exploit them. It's not. It's allowing that person to be able to have that space when they communicate with you where they can feel human. And when you have that, all of a sudden, you're not in this uh, weird dating pattern of, oh, I'm going to bring my best self forward and the other person's going to bring their best self forward. And it's almost like two actors trying to build this genuine relationship and it don't freaking work. (laughs) (laughs) So we sort of slow down the, you know, like, sorry, fasten up the process where we actually allow someone to see someone for who they really are. And if that's something that can work for them in terms of a a fantastic, long-lasting relationship. One of the best things about this podcast for us is all the amazing and insightful people we've met. Throughout each of our series, we've seen many common threads. That's why we created the Health It's Personal Inspiration Line, to celebrate our unique perspectives and let others around us know that we get it too. We teamed up with artist Cloud Ramkey to help bring these common threads to life. We've all dealt with challenges in our lives that make us stronger. Hence, our new favorite saying, thanks for the trauma. 
We make sure to remind our listeners and friends that you're not alone and that it's always a judgment-free zone because that's where the best conversations start. Our designs are on t-shirts, sweaters, hoodies, water bottles, coffee mugs, stickers, and so much more. These are great gifts for friends, loved ones, educators, caretakers, and advocates to help show your people that you care about their health and well-being. Head over to bonfire.com slash thehippodcast, our website, or our show notes for links to the merchandise, and stay tuned for future inspirational designs and messages too. What I love about what you do is that because everyone's so different and individual and what they want and need in their past experiences and so on and so forth. You can really teach them and learn about them and help them find what's right for them rather than just this book that tells everyone how to find love or or this program Mm -hmm. that it's like sculpted just for them. Yeah, it's so important because everyone's idea of a relationship is completely different. You know, you've got Mm -hmm. society's um, version of it. You've got cultural differences and things like that. And it's more about, this is why it's so important to find more of who you are and allowing yourself to become more of who you are, because from that place, you understand what's going to make you happy and what's not. And, uh, you know, with the profiling again, because you get to see someone for who they really are, you can understand if someone's emotionally available or not. You can understand the type of relationship that person wants. And you can see whether that's something that's going to work for you. And it's all about like the most important element for me is allowing people to see the truth, yeah. because that way you can make an informed decision that's right for you. And I think when people feel like in relationships where they go wrong, it's because they haven't had the truth to begin with. Very good point. Mm. May I ask if you have any advice for those who might know better, but <laughs> they might overlook those signs? or those observations, (laughs) because they might feel lonely or impatient or something like that? Yeah. Oh, gosh, there's there's so many different angles to this. No, I think all these different thoughts, like, okay, where do I start? (laughs) So there's a reason why we don't listen to our gut feelings. Okay, we sometimes, I mean, we've all been there, we've all gone into a relationship where it's like, you know, if our gut is literally screaming out, don't do it. And we're like, (laughs) oh, well, maybe, maybe the next date will be better or maybe they're just having a bad day and I'll give it another chance. And it's because that's what we were programmed to do as a kid. So when we were younger and we said, oh, do you know, I don't like so-and-so and so-and-so or, you know, an uncle or a family member or whatever it might be. And they go, oh, don't be silly. They're lovely. Now go on, go and be nice. and go and say hello. <laughs> right. And that's yeah. literally how we get taught to ignore that gut feeling. You're making me want to start parenting all over again. Like, <laughs> oh, I'm just like, oh, that's terrible. All the things that we do to our poor kids. But that's what you were taught as a kid. So yeah. <laughs> it's not your Be fault. Be polite. I feel sorry for my mom. You should hear the discussions that we have. You know, <laughs> my mom's like such a softie. She's so freaking lovely. But this is the thing, you know, even if we, I don't have kids yet, but I'm freaking terrified because I know that no matter what I do, there's going to be something that's going to come up. And I remember seeing a, a Facebook post by one of my friends saying something on the lines of, when you have kids, forget about getting them a fancy car or anything like that for their 18th. Set up a trust fund now, which can pay for their therapy when they hit 18. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. really. We were just talking about that the other day. <laughs> I'll see them again and Max, like, I'll just put a quarter in the therapy jar. There you like. go. <laughs> <laughs> Moving on. Love it. 
But the other thing you so you were saying about what can people do in terms of the feeling, like the, the gut feelings coming up, they don't know. So they know that not to go or not to go into that relationship, but the feelings of loneliness or whatever it might be is coming up. The other thing is never go into a relationship if you're not whole to begin with. <laughs> right. Okay. <laughs> I hear what you're saying. Yes. <laughs> because if you're in this place of, I need someone, well, guess what? You know, you're not going to be able to enjoy that relationship. And it goes into this horrible codependent dynamic. Mm-hmm. And you're not being funny. How hard is it to be responsible for someone's happiness or that someone's emotions and things like that? That's terrifying. I could probably go on to a proper, you know, high horse blinking conversation about that. But the important part is, is building a life that you feel happy with to begin with. Because guess what? If someone doesn't, you know, turns up into your life, it doesn't quite meet your standards. You're going to be less likely to go, oh, go on then. You can be like, no, I've built, I've worked hard to build this life into something that I feel completely happy with and proud of. And I want to share with share it with someone who's worthy, who's right for me. Yeah, yeah. absolutely. That's such a great point. And I think, yeah, the codependency is really difficult in a relationship and also really difficult to overcome because it's hard to pull apart once you're really in it. <laughs> when it comes to your identifying and disarming narcissist class that you have. We don't want to give too much away because we want everyone to go and experience this. But would you mind explaining that? Or do you have any tips ah. that you could share with us today? Yeah, of course. I mean, Emma, we've had such amazing results this course. I'll go into a few different ways of how to identify a narcissist. But um, this course actually helps someone who is going through like a really horrific divorce. You know, she had two kids lived in a different country and it was just like every scenario was freaking hard work for her bless her and uh, through this course she actually taught her kids how to use the techniques and these were young kids you know sort of um, I think one was about six years old the other one was about 11 or 12 she taught them how to use these techniques and they had the best school holiday ever with their dad Amazing. Yes. Oh, that's so brilliant, actually. She's like, okay, Abby, listen. (laughs) (laughs) And she's just like with her wide eyes, like ready to go on her holiday, totally prepared. I love that. Yeah, it's like it's been freaking awesome. So even just a bit lying, um, because don't be funny, parent, you know, having a parent narcissist is bloody hard work. You know, they don't connect in the same way. And it can have, you know, issues on on kids. So um, it was cool to be able to protect them some more and also, you know, allow them to have these amazing school holidays. So that was just brilliant to hear. But we'll kind of go into a few different ways that you can spot a narcissist. And, you know, I was saying in the beginning that there's no empathy. You know, the empathy part of the brain is underdeveloped. Well, the way that we actually learn empathy is when we mimic facial expressions as a child. So when we're a little baby, we're interacting with our parents, you know, all the things we're smiling or sticking tongues out, all the rest of it, we copy our parents, we mimic. So the first thing that you can see is if someone's got a genuine emotion or not, you know, it's showing genuine empathy. So if you tell a narcissist a really sad story, okay, and you're like, oh God, I've just had the worst day ever, I've lost my job, I've done this, I've done that, and it's just been awful. Well, if we're sharing that with someone, they will mimic our facial expressions. 
Okay, they will be in the, in the darkness with us. A narcissist will either not do that at all, or they'll do it to a certain degree. And then suddenly the facial expression will cut off really quickly. And <laughs> so anyway, what, what do you want for dinner? <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. And it's a little bit like, you know, when, you know, we've been to a party or been to an event or something, someone turns up and we really don't like, and we catch their gaze, we smile at them. And as soon as that person, t- you know, turns their head, it's like, boom. (laughs) That is like just showing that we've showed an inauthentic emotion because if we're genuinely happy or genuinely sad, the emotion will slowly move off the face. That's a really good in-depth one to see if someone's narcissistic or if they have that capability of empathy. Um, Another one is a narcissist will really struggle with the word no. So if they're like, okay, I want to see you tonight or let's do this or whatever it might be, and you say no, they can't take it as an answer. It'll be constantly push, 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 push. And it comes up in different ways. So, um, for example, I had someone reach out to me to book an appointment, you know, free consultation with me. And uh, I said, okay, yeah, that's absolutely fine. Here's my calendar because I'm rubbish with time zones. And, you know, booking a time that works well for you. The next message I got back from is, I want to talk to you now. Here's my number. Call me. Oh. Well, Mm. yeah, exactly. So it's kind of like diverting away from what (laughs) you want them to do. It's looking for that power with that control. You're like, do you know who I am? Like, Right. I got got your number. So, yeah. (laughs) Exactly, you know. So it's quite funny even looking at the way that they push boundaries. Oh, my gosh. The third one I'm going to share. Oh, gosh. Okay, this one's quite funny. Have you ever heard of... No, do you know what? I'm going to go into this one first. So they're never accountable for what they uh, for what they do. If something goes wrong, it's always someone else's problem or, well, I only did that because you were rude to me and, you know, da-da-da-da. Mm-hmm. It's always someone else's fault mm-hmm. for whatever reason. So that's one that they just literally can't take any accountability for anything they've done. The next one, have you ever heard of a narcissist apology? No, no. Okay, cool. So narcissists will rarely apologize, but if they do, this is why the empathy part is really important to understand. If they say sorry, it will be something a little bit like this. I'm really sorry. You're going, okay, yeah, cool. What for? That thing that made you upset. What thing? You know, the thing, the thing that made you upset. They can't pinpoint it because they haven't got the empathy map to be able to understand what it was that upset you. And usually that apology is more about, okay, how can I get you back under my control? Because at the minute you're having standoff behavior, I can't interact with you. You, I can't control you fully right now. So I need to bring you back in so I can able to, you know, get what I need from you. Wow. The bare minimum damage control. Yes. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Oh, all right. what, what do you do, Lily, if you're raising a narcissist? <laughs> How do you fix that? Asking asking for a friend. Yeah, it's it's interesting. So basically, you know, we're talking about the identity piece of a, of a child between zero and seven. The reason why that's such a key age is because you've still got neuroplasticity, which means that the brain's ability to go ahead and learn and take on new behaviors or take on information. If things aren't done at that point, 
it's not going to be something that you're going to instantly change overnight. And empathy isn't something that you can actually rewire. So if someone's a narcissist as an adult, there's nothing you can do. Because do you remember we're talking about the, the way that behaviors influence us? And we have the good and bad emotions. Well, if we don't have that when it comes to people, then there's no good intention or no benefit to us to be able to change. Got a few chills, but <laughs> yeah. Okay. Good, to, good to know. <laughs> it is good to know. So we talked about how to identify a narcissist and the importance of trusting your gut. And we're using this sexual health series to identify important aspects of personal connection in relation to our well-being. So what connections do you see between finding a compatible romantic partner and our overall well-being and how we live our daily lives? Yeah, so I think one of the most important elements is, and a lot of people talk about masculine and femininity in relationships and how that creates polarity the funny thing is I agree to it you know agree with it to a a certain point but the thing that most people don't understand is actually it's it's based on if you feel like you've met someone who's equal to you okay and that's so important because it comes back to this element of can I respect you can you handle me can we um, uh, work together are you going to be a good teammate And can I trust you to be able to build this relationship and commit to it? And that's the important element. Because otherwise, if you focus on things like um, the masculinity and femininity part, you do something called posturing, which we can't keep up. Mm -hmm. So, um, I mean, for example, I've got quite a masculine energy when it comes to (laughs) femininity. I'm not very feminine at all. So if I was to posture and be all feminine and be like, you know, very extremely to, to that point, it's not me being me. And it was really important for me to be able to meet an equal who is able to meet me where I'm at and also to be able to, you know, someone that I can fully respect because that way you actually instantly get that masculine and feminine polarity in a way that works. Um, yeah. So that's really important, obviously, when it comes to things like, you know, sexual attraction and also when it comes to well-being as well because if you are in a relationship where you aren't equals you end up with a parent-child relationship so you often either find yourself being the parent it's like all right okay I'll do it I'll sort (laughs) out the date night I'll do all this stuff and oh gosh you're struggling with this thing that's okay I'll come and help you and it really plays as a dynamic or you end up in a relationship where you know you end up in the child zone and you feel insecure you feel not good enough and you're not showing up in the relationship as you as the way that Mm. you want to obviously that has a huge impact on well-being and the happiness that you have within your relationship. Wow. And what you said kind of reminded me a little bit of um, dating in the, the gay community too, with the, the posturing and the masking yes. that people, M-A-S-C. <laughs> <laughs> it just, there's so much to that that we have to think about. And you're absolutely right. <laughs> the parenting versus the can we work as a team? I really love thinking about it as teamwork because, you know, catch me when I fall, I'll catch you <laughs> if you fall. Yeah. 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 And it's like when you can see someone as an equal to you, you can, you've got more trust in to be able to do that. Mm-hmm. Otherwise, if you're in the parenting role and you're going, catch me, it's like, fine. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah, the They'll kick you when you're down. Yeah. Right? <laughs> 
<laughs> oh man. Um, on that note, everything you've said today is incredibly enlightening, and it's just got me thinking about more than romantic relationships too. And I'm sure that everything that you've said can also apply to friendships or even family <laughs> beyond yeah. those romantic relationships. Yeah, for sure. And it's just the main thing is, is being able to show up as you, being able to communicate at the, with integrity that's incongruent to who you are and meeting someone for where they're at as well. Because what I tend to find is, especially with people who've had narcissistic parents for example there's this level of acceptance accepting that's where their parents are and it's like no they should be this <laughs> and uh, the moment um, we go into a connection with someone wanting something from them or wanting them to change or trying to control that connection in some sort of way people fail and become frustrated mm -hmm. okay because they're not meeting the expectations that they have within their mind so I think it's very much allowing yourself to meet people where they're at. And also another really important part, which kind of led, to, you know, sort of goes back to this um, parent-child dynamic, being responsible for who you are and not being responsible for the other person's actions or anything like that. Because the moment you feel like you need to be able to control or direct someone is the moment where you miss out on that connection. Mm. Mm. Yeah. <laughs> that's a lot i think we're about. we're all just like <laughs> yeah whoa well, and, and there's a benefit for you as well because their actions do not you know we'll take that personally sometimes <laughs> like oh that's because of me but it's not i assume <laughs> tell me <Exactly>. about <laughs> it's you, Sean. <laughs> just you it's all me <laughs> yeah so the dating world's kind of changing a bit, especially with the pandemic, we've had some changes. What do you see that's going on in the dating online industry? And how can we go into it with kind of a openness and also protecting ourselves? Mm, so important, because one thing that people don't understand, especially around online dating I don't know what the stats are before, um, after the pandemic but before the pandemic it was something like 51% of people on online dating sites were actually already in relationships so uh, <laughs> yeah which is, which it's is problematic <laughs> <laughs> and then because of the pandemic there's been a huge increase on things like dating scams and things like that so one thing that's really important is making sure that you're in a place where you feel happy with your life already. Okay, you feel happy with who you are, you feel happy with your life, and you're in a good place emotionally and mentally because that's so, so important. The next part is being so clear on what you want in a relationship. I don't mean like, you know, oh yeah, they've got to be, you know, six foot blue eyes and all these things. I'm talking about the things that you really prioritize in someone. What makes someone, you know, a good, exciting match for you? And that's kind of like what we go through the compatibility matrix for. And we've actually got a version of the compatibility matrix in one of our free guides on the website, if anyone wants to check that out. Oh, yeah. But it's important to really understand that because if you know what you're looking for, you're not going to deviate from something that's not going to be long lasting. Because the thing is, with people who aren't actually open for a relationship or people who are looking to scam or anything like that, 
they're not going to spend the time trying to build a relationship. They're going to be in the place of love bombing and controlling. Okay, someone who genuinely wants a relationship is going to be in this place where they want to connect. And the funny thing is, is you're going to be able, like one of the things that we train our clients to do is to be able to also read dating profiles so they can see if someone, you know, where someone's emotional intelligence is, for example. So whether they're going to be in a place where they're self-aware enough to be able to enjoy a relationship. Because again, that's so important. It's almost like having a dance partner that you want to be able to have a fantastic dance with without having your feet trodden on, you know? <laughs> yeah. yeah. That do, you, do you remember that one person's profile that was funny that they said about? Oh, it was what was the prompt was what was the biggest mistake you made recently or something? And he said, tying a string onto a bumblebee, like a leash. <laughs> Wow. wow. How so decode is? that. Yeah. Is? Like, is that on hinge? Because they have to pick the questions that they answer as well. So it was on like, hinge, yeah, I can yeah. this question. This is going to put me in the best light. Yeah. Self-aware? Probably not. <laughs> me, I'm like, tell me more about the bee. <laughs> how do you find, how do you connect with that? I don't know. You talked a lot about finding the thing that's just right for you and knowing yourself and not feeling like, yeah, just finding what works for you. Do you have any advice for people who know how big the online dating scene is now, but that's not their path and they've decided that that's won't work for them and maybe are feeling discouraged and how to kind of have confidence moving forward that there's hope? Yes. And I think this is the fun part because a lot of what we do with the dating strategies that we create with people sometimes I actually turn around to people and say you're not the right person to date online or okay this is how you're going to date online but this is also how you're going to go ahead and do something called organic dating which is putting you in place of people who are going to be more aligned to who you are and one of the things I talk about with the compatibility matrix is something called interests and it's like well if I said to you Okay, I want you to go ahead and talk about something for a couple of hours and you're only allowed to talk about that subject. What would it be? And when people find that, they're able to suddenly realize, ah, well, this is what my passion is or this is what I want people to understand before they enter a relationship with me. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) That's a great question to ask yourself. (laughs) Yeah, and then maybe maybe join a group of people or take a class or you know on this thing and yeah that's great I love that so much yeah I think as well it's like taking the pressure off as well because I know some people go into dating it's like cool I'm gonna see the you know the wedding bells and the engagement ring and all these crazy things like whoa connect just connect. <laughs> That's your only job. If you can connect and you enjoy that, great. Then we take the next step. You don't get to the top of Mount Everest straight away. You get to base camp first. <laughs> yeah. I love this. For some reason, I'm imagining the Kill Bill sirens going off, but wedding bells instead. <laughs> love it. <laughs> you see the one. <laughs> yeah. Every, every day. <laughs> Uh, This has been so great, Lily. We're so grateful that you're here to chat with us. And 
I know we could talk to you all day, but is there anything else that you really would like our listeners to know about the work that you do or how they can feel confident, you know, moving forward in their dating worlds? Yeah, I think the most important thing when it comes to dating is making sure that you are able to be fully you. And the more that you get closer to that, the more easier it is to meet the right person. And uh, if you do want to learn more about that, we've got a ton of free resources on our website. So we've got a healing from narcissistic relationships webinar that people can take. There's the meet the one guide and meet the one without wasting time on dating apps webinar. And they all go through how to go ahead and meet the one, how to use the compatibility matrix in order to go and meet the right person for them. That's amazing. amazing. And would you mind telling us where we can find that? Yeah, of course. It's um, at lovewithintelligence.com. Perfect. And you've shared a bunch of resources with us as well, and we'll have that all in the show notes. But I think this is going to be mind-blowing for some people and a really positive way to move forward to find love because we we all want that in our lives. Thank you. <laughs> Thank you so much. I think that, yeah, like like Kate said, we're this is so enlightening and just, you know, under an hour. <laughs> They're going to have so many <laughs> new things to work on, I think. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, brilliant. Okay. And you're so kind and generous with your with your information. And I know that when, I don't know, what we found on this podcast is that when things work out for people, it's because the person teaching them has such a kind and generous heart and they want them to be successful. And I can really tell that you do. Oh, thank you. It really means a lot. So thank you. Yeah. Absolute pleasure. So thank you. I've really enjoyed chatting with you all. So thank you. Thank you so much. Thanks. Same to you. Have the best day. And you. Take care. Bye. Bye. Thank you, everyone, for listening to this episode of Health It's Personal. Follow us wherever you get your podcasts for bonus episodes and new releases every Wednesday. Please listen, subscribe, engage, and send us topics we can explore that would help you on your journey. Because health, it's personal.